Welcome to Be Advised, Leading with Value with Brad Swinehart. In this podcast, we will focus on successful marketing methods for advisors that generate prospects and clients. We will learn from the best in the industry on how advisors in the trenches today are growing their practices. Join us for this journey where Brad draws from years of expertise and guest experts to help advisors reach their full potential. Susan, thank you so much for joining me today. How the heck are you? I'm doing great. How are you? I am doing fantastic. Um, probably better than I deserve, but that's okay. Uh, so no way. let's let's learn a little bit about you before we hop into all of the wonderful marketing things in 2023. So you're at FMG, you're top dog over there making big decisions, doing big things. What do oh. we got going on? definitely not top dog I don't know about the big decision part um I just love like when I prior to I've been here for about a year and a half at FMG and prior to that I was the chief marketing officer at advisor group and um I have a long history in the financial services world but my truly my favorite thing to do was to focus on helping advisors financial advisors with their marketing and we leveraged the FMG platform to make that, to facilitate that and to coach around it. And so I followed my passion. I decided I wanted to do the thing that I liked the best about my job. And now I get to do it a hundred percent. And it's amazing. I love that. And just that's so much of what this industry is, right? Is people following their passion, finding out what they really, really like. I hope and so. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's, you know, I, I, that's what I coach when people are asked to be either mentored or just ask for advice. And I, you know, I think there's a part, there's a part of people that just like safety and security and so it'll get better if it's not great. And I've just always been one of those people call me impatient or ADD, but you know, is if I'm not happy, if I find myself complaining more than I am excited about things, then I think it's time to follow your passion. And I always, I talk about, we all have piles in front of us. You know, we used to all have desks. I, I now have a dining room table, but you know, you have piles <laughs> on desk or you have like to-do lists and all the different things. What are, we all have things that we are drawn to doing first. And then we have the stuff that we're like, oh, I gotta get to that. And so I, I coach my team even to pursue a career or the types of jobs that enable you to do a lot more of the stuff that is what you're drawn to and, you know, minimize the things that are on your list that are the things that you aren't drawn to, but don't ever expect a job that doesn't have some of both. I think that's something that I always do, right? Like you have the to-do list, you, there's stuff I get excited about, like it's Monday morning, it's 6.30 AM and I'm already like, Ooh, I want to start working on this. And then there's that thing that sits there till Friday afternoon. And it's like, okay, yeah, I better get this done before the weekend. One, I can literally just, yep, this weekend I spent hours on something that had just been piling up and I'm like, I got to just do this. <laughs> One thing I do think that's nice and especially as an advisor in that role is often when you're building this business, there there comes a time when many advisors, they go out on their own, right? They They start their own practice and that's scary in its own right. But as you become more and more successful, you get that opportunity to say, hey, this is the things that I'm good at. And these are the things that I'm passionate about. And now I can build a business around me that does all the things that I don't want to do. Exactly. Yeah. There are, there's an outsourced solution for pretty much everything that is on your uh, weaknesses list. And then you can focus on what your strengths are and hire around that as well. 
So let's talk a little bit about what you're seeing as far as marketing for advisors. What are the staples that they need to be doing? What's working? What are you seeing on your end, both from your the advisor group perspective, but then also now at FMG? I mean, I'll start. I I kind of I think about marketing as an ascendant journey. And Ooh, for I like that. I like that. Like you got to get a t-shirt, a t-shirt maybe. And because you know? <laughs> advisors, most advisors are pretty insecure about marketing. It's not on their to-do list. And the first thing that they do, there are many that love it, but it's definitely the 80, 20, maybe 90, 10 rule. And they're cautious and, and not confident yet. They know they need to do something. So I don't know if I even coined the ascendant journey, but I really like the phrase well, website, yes. I would say is sort of the foundation especially in this more digital world post-COVID where I'm not sure you're even meeting with all your clients in the office. So, and certainly when anybody refers you to somebody else, they are Googling you. So I like to say, if you do nothing else, please, please have a really strong website. And if you haven't looked at it in two years or updated it in two years, you have to. Like I, I it, you really, it should be sort of an ever-evolving um, a piece of art that you're adding content Ooh, to. I like that. Think about that tweaking been, yeah. and you don't have to be obsessed and you can work with partners like FMG, but it's, um, you can't just have that business card website that you built five years ago. So Ascendant Journey step one, I think is refreshing your website. And there's some really easy tips that we coach around making sure that you're speaking to the your ideal client or ideal prospect in your copy, not writing about yourself the whole way. Like we do, we do, we do is not that appealing. It's you struggle with blank and we do, and this is how we solve it. You know, not overwhelming with 18 navigation bars. I mean, they're just, and being more personable. People are, especially since you may not ever meet this person in person, making sure that you're about us in the bio shows a little bit of your personality, not just bullets of a resume, but write it in the first person and tell your story. Why Why did you get into the business and what do you do? So that's sort of where we start. And I think as you assess, as an advisor assesses their marketing, that would be where I'd start. And if that's not good, then just focus there and don't get overwhelmed by all the rest. And then as you move up the steps, you know, the process, I think, you know, the next would be to get that LinkedIn profile looking good and just start thinking about how to build your network on LinkedIn. And of course, maybe even before that would be effective client communications and making sure that you're not just sending a monthly newsletter that nobody opens, or at least has become completely numb to, but that you're communicating things about topics that are relevant to them. I, I It's surprising to me, but advisors love economic commentary. That's what they want to send out to clients. But as a client of an advisor, I hired my advisor to do that. I'm actually <laughs> not that right. interested in what the market did last week. I mean, I'm interested in whether it goes up and down and how it affects my assets, but I don't want the ins and outs and the graphs and the stuff. I mean, maybe again, 80, 20, well, maybe 10 or 20% of the clients do, but I, I think one of the, one of the things that we teach in seminars is a phrase that said, I've done the research and this is what I found. Yeah. And I, that that speaks to me heavily when you're talking about that communication is don't send them the graphs and the data and all that stuff for them to chew through. Just send them the the bullet points. Hey, this is what you need to be concerned about, or this is what you don't need to be concerned about. Because by the way, you hired me and I know what I'm doing. 
Exactly. It's, it's always thinking about the what's in it for the audience. What would the audience value? So it's, this is what the market did at a high level and what it means to you is blah, 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 blah. So we write a lot of content for advisors and it, the stuff that gets opened the mud, the most is content, like a blog on technology for seniors, suggestions on technology for seniors, or, you know, how to prepare adult children for an aging parent. It's not the ins and outs of alpha and beta and that sort of thing. So I think content marketing and consistent communications to clients above and beyond that newsletter is, is maybe the next step. And then we get into social and so on and so on. How do you add in personality to a website and a newsletter? I know uh, this is a relationship business, right? It's a, it's a numbers game. It's a, it's for sure, you know, marketing, advertising, all of that prospecting in general is a numbers game, right? But you know, when you, when they find your website and they start getting your emails, how do you add in your own personality to that so that it's not bland, boring content that your readers are going to ignore? You know, I think just having, not trying to be so buzzy and literally writing what you would say to somebody. So start with an interesting subject line, not January's monthly newsletter, you know, start with something that's a little more provocative or a question that, that you're answering and then use much more conversational language. And I've seen advisors have great success with including a personal fact at the bottom. One advisor, I think, was building a, a new office or maybe it was even a new home. And he shared, you know, at the end, he would just say chapter two on my ever, never ending building experience or whatever. And that was what people read, not the rest of it. So coming up with something, it could be the latest and greatest at our, in our office, you know, come up with something where you can talk about the office in a more human way and the team members or the late, you know, news from our team, something that's just totally not financial. That's about the people that are supporting your clients. Um, I think you can incorporate that into almost anything. I love that. And you just saying that kicks into my memory when we all, everyone had to work at home for a solid year, like when they're having Zoom calls and meeting people for the first time and your backgrounds were pretty interesting there for a little while, right? Because yeah. you just, you got thrown into it and all of a sudden people <laughs> just saw your your life as opposed yeah, to like your, 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 <laughs> your polished uh, office and everything. You know, everyone's got a little bit smarter about it now and there's strategic pictures and stuff. But, you know, <laughs> I remember having calls when I was remodeling my house and I was redoing my fireplace or I was you know, concreting a wall in my house, which nobody does. And it's very cool, but it's a big pain in the butt if you ever want to try. But <laughs> I remember having those conversations and the next call, people would be like, oh, let me see the fireplace. Like, how far did you get? What's going on? Like, sure, we're getting down to business. We're doing our thing. But that that human element, now there's that connection there. And it's nothing to do other than putting in a little bit of personality into a, a normal way to communicate. And it's sort of that personal professional relationship, you know, not keeping it all professional, but building a personal professional relationship involves opening up, being more vulnerable and sharing things about yourself. And that makes you closer and makes them trust you more and all the rest. I think there's a reciprocal nature too, when you're 
when you're sharing about yourself, this is what I'm working on. This is what I'm doing. Immediately, the people are learning, they're connecting, they're seeing you more as a person, but then they also want to say, whoa, I did this before, or I don't know how to do construction, but I love working on cars or, or yeah. whatever. And now you have this personal bond where you can do the same thing. You can open those conversations saying, how's the restoration coming on the T-Bird? You know, you can have those real yeah, personal conversations. Email them things about cars, you will get a hundred percent open rate and you'll still get about a 20% open rate on your newsletter. I mean, they're, yeah. they're people. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Okay. So you need a website and let's focus on your ideal prospect language towards them. Let's not focus on how great I am and all the cool things I've done. Let's start with email communications. And again, let's do things that people want to read, not not the stuff they hire you to read. Yep. And then, okay, we started talking about like social media. Link, yes. I always say LinkedIn first, because a lot of I times when you, when you Google, <laughs> yeah, when you Google someone, that's the first thing that comes up. Oftentimes, even before their professional website, because you're searching their name. I'm searching Brad Swinart. I'm not searching Oxford, you know, advisory group. So when that pops up, what do we want that to look like? Again, I think, you know, advisors should think about building a personal brand as well as a business brand. And as we just talked about the email communications, part of that, what we were hitting on is the personal aspect of the business brand because they are choosing to do business with a person. And so LinkedIn just enables you to further that. And, you know, so a photo that was taken 10 years ago in a suit with a black, white background, probably not ideal. Like that's not, I'm just not going to be drawn to it. I Better or worse than the car selfie or the cropped wedding photo. <laughs> right. Oh, you know, those are all in the don'ts. You know, look at, you could also look at other people and try to get ideas for which ones are you drawn to? Which are the pictures where you look at the person like, oh, I'd like to meet them. I mean, I think it should be a it still needs to be a professional shot, but it should be you smiling and it should be recent and it should be what you normally wear. If, it, if you really wear a three-piece suit, then, then do that, but smile. But most of us don't wear a three-piece suit, so wear what you normally wear. And then change the background. Don't have the background be the static one that comes with LinkedIn. Make it something that relates to your brand or a passion of yours. It doesn't even have to be about your business. And then work hard to not just have your about us be a resume, write it like a story so that you convey some of the high points of the sort of what you view as some of the value that you provide to your clients and your passions, but go beyond just the business stuff and include some of the things about your family and your outside interests. And, you know, just make sure that, you know, I think LinkedIn gives you that X percent complete. I mean, just make sure you get that as high as possible because that'll help you in the search and in the sort of algorithms. And that's step one. And then it's sort of, what do I do to build my network and post, which is a whole nother category of advice. Well, let's get right into that. Do you think before we learn how to build a network on LinkedIn, and I totally agree with you that it's the best place to focus on first. What do you think about the Facebooks, the Twitters, the Instagrams, the TikToks, you know, the whatever else new flash in the pan social platforms that are coming out. Cause a lot of times advisors, they see all of this and they don't yeah. know which one to focus like, on. Shiny, shiny. First. Yeah, shiny. Yeah. Well, I no, from somebody, I should be. Yeah. Yeah. Advisors aren't 
distracted by shiny objects. Come on. I mean, oh, I think no. every, everyone as a, as a entrepreneur like, loves shiny objects. I'm the same yeah. way myself. Like, Ooh, what about this new gadget? This sounds great. You know, when you hear somebody grew their business by 20,000 times by doing X, Y, Z, you're like, I, I need that. So I, I used to just answer this question based on my own beliefs. And I realized that was not the right way to answer it. It totally depends on who your target client is and where they spend their time. You know, so I think I'm very used to talking to advisors who are about my age and their target customer is in their late forties and fifties. And so I, I'm sort of, I play that role. So I think about LinkedIn, but you know, if I know an advisor who is targeting young entrepreneurs and he's on Twitter and it's worked phenomenally and I don't know the target audience that would be perfect for Instagram, but you know, I'm sure there is one and it probably will continue to evolve and they'll age. So I think just defining your target audience and your ideal persona first, and you might have more than one, in which case you might have more than one platforms that you'd want to support for most advisors. This is just average. I do think LinkedIn is the best. I have a 20 year old about to be 21 year old daughter and she's all over LinkedIn now and her friends are all over LinkedIn. So it is not just an old person's platform. She's found it to be the most amazing way to build connections, get informational interviews, informational interviews lead to potential job opportunities. So I would argue that it's just for old people and just for business people. It, I think you can get all ages on LinkedIn, which is great. But if you have a real niche and you know, those people are on Twitter all the time, then you want to be on Twitter. Yeah, I love that. And that makes total sense. What we've always, what I've always done in the past is you, you can scour LinkedIn really well for your ideal prospect because they're putting all their information out there. Right. And you can find a a dental practitioner who wants, I actually interviewed an advisor and his niche was dental practice owners that are looking to sell to private equity within the next five years. Like that's how small his niche was, but you know, that information is out there. You can find those people. Right. And I, I, I fullheartedly agree. I think LinkedIn is an amazing tool and um, it's a great place to not just have your resume sitting out there. Right. But, or business card, but like you said, have it be inviting, have it be an ad. I talk a lot about found credibility and how that's different than pushing information at somebody. When you email someone, how great you are, you put out an ad and you push something to someone that says, Hey, I've done X, Y, and Z. That's one thing, right? That works for a very specific audience. But when someone is researching you and they find things about you, when they go and they, you know, because when you research a professional on LinkedIn, you almost feel a little bit like you're a sleuth, like, ooh, I'm going to find out this information. I'm going to get in there. And it's, oh, he, he runs a podcast or he does, he writes for X, Y, and Z, and he's done this chair. Like, now I know these things, but he doesn't know I know these things, right? So you're that credibility that's found there is so much different than pushing that at an ideal prospect. They're doing the research. They're finding out about you. We call that social proof. Social proof. I like it. Okay. So how do we build a LinkedIn base and what the heck do we do with it once it's built? Okay. Well, here are two simple tips. Um, I learned these from Samantha Russell, my partner in crime. One is at the end of every week or even just the end of every day, or even at the end of every meeting, Look at your calendar and connect with anybody you've met with that is not a current connection. And 
we all have lots of meetings. I guarantee all of us are meeting with people during the week that we have not met. You know, if you're in a meeting with four people, one of them you'd met, probably not the other three. So that is a super easy way. And it's also, it's a really great way to take a relationship from here to here. So you had a meeting on Zoom, you get off, that's that. But if you take the time to just shoot a connection request and you don't even have to write anything other than the standard thing that goes with it, they receive that it's relevant, it's timely, it is a really great reflection on you. It shows you actually cared and it feels good to get a connection request. You've just jumped a relationship with that person. And now when you post, all of those people and their connections see your posts. The next one Samantha came up with is to do the same with your email inbox. So just scan your email inbox at the end of the day or at the end of the week. And again, just go in and connect with anybody that sent you an email that you think you're not connected with. And then I think using your notifications button in LinkedIn and just clicking on that once a day to see activity of all the people you're connected with and comment on as many of their posts as possible. That is not that difficult. It didn't even involve posting yourself and that will grow your network exponentially. I can't tell you how silly I feel that that was a new idea to me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm just thinking like, yeah, yeah. I should probably just block out 15 minutes at the end of the day or at the end of the week or, you know, what I can't take that often or take that long and just go through and yeah, hit all the contacts hit all the emails and it just makes total sense. Yeah. Especially if you're in. Yeah. Go ahead. Oh, just get, you can either give yourself a goal of X number of connections a week and X number of comments a week, you know, so that you're really looking at that notification and you're engaging in the people that are active within your network. It's yeah. It's like every advisor can do it. It is one-on-one and is. it's not even, you know, it's not putting yourself out there or embarrassing or anything like that. And okay. So we're going to start doing that. Is there, is there content that is better than other content when it comes to the different platforms as far as like LinkedIn do you use different content on LinkedIn than you should on Facebook or Twitter is it the same type of content that you would email or is it something different what is that recipe for success when you're going to start posting now so yes i think obviously it differs by platform the most important thing, and I'm actually, it's starting to really resonate with me. I think I've said it before, but I'm really starting to, I guess, translate my posts such in such a way that I am achieving this. What you write has to be something that the people you're writing it for want to read. So many of us have used LinkedIn as a FYI platform. FYI, I did this. Or thanks, blah, 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 for writing about me. Or all these things are just facts. There's really, it's just a fact. So the fact might be interesting to your friends, but your ideal client, what are they interested in? And you can twist even those facts and FYIs to be of interest to them. But it's it takes being a little clever because that those are typically a little bit self-serving facts. But in general, sharing things that, are just purely value add to your clients or to your, well, your target audience, clients and prospects. That is what is going to build your business. I mean, whether it's an email or whether it's in social and, you know, from a Facebook 
It should be things that your target audience would like to see on Facebook. So that means it's going to be more social. On LinkedIn, it really can be a little bit of both. I mean, I think you're not putting like happy Groundhog Day, but you know, you want to actually weave in something about the fact that you did a charity bike ride, but weave in that you work with clients that, you know, that weave in some ideas for those that are interested in getting into charity, you know, to some of the best organizations that you found, like have, have something that gives something away. So for example, I was just writing some content for us and I was writing it on, you know, it was financial literacy month, I think either maybe next month. And we were doing a post, I'm writing a post on how to help children save. And the first stab I did, I actually used chat GPT. So we can talk about that next, but I used chat GPT and it came up with like a fun fact, a couple bullets. It was interesting, but it was just kind of blah. And then suddenly I was like, you know what? I should flip this and say in, you know, for financial literacy month, one thing you can do is work, work with your children to help them save. Here are five apps that are really popular to help with saving allowance and budgeting. You know, just nothing that would necessarily benefit an advisor or be something that they would even need to know, but that will get a ton of engagement. So that's like- Sorry. Yeah. And the good thing about something like that, right? When you, when you lead with something of true value and let's just say they, they grab one of the apps, they sit down with their, you know, their 13 year old and they start going through this budgeting app and they use it and whatever, what are they going to do after that? Well, they're going to tell all their friends, oh my gosh, I got this great app for my advisor sent it to me and it's blah, blah, blah. And this is what we did. Oh, my advisor. Or I heard it from this guy on LinkedIn that I thought, you know, I just saw it. It's so at, like giving away resources, not just information, give away resources. Yeah. I just leading with something of value that someone then not asking for anything in return, you know, just saying, Hey, this is what it is. And, and this is what I found. And this works really well. And Hey, what a great way to blend in your personality and that and tell a story about your family and your 13 year old that you did budgeting exactly. with. And this is the app that you used right now. You've put it all together and you send it out in an email and you, you link it to your social posts and say, Hey, check this out. This is a photo of us doing it. And then, then in three months later, you talk to that prospect or that client and they say, Hey, you know what? How's, how's, how's the kid doing with the budgeting app? Mine's still on it. She uses it every day, you know? Totally. Yep. So it's not as hard as it seems, but it's counterintuitive. I think it's not natural for us. We want to write facts. Yeah. Did you know that, you know, but we really don't, we just want tips. We just want, you know, resources that help us with something we're challenged with something digestible, something that you can see it that I always say you're, you're at war with the, with the scroll, right? You, <laughs> you only have so long before they're scrolling on to the next thing and they're going to spend more time with you. The more you prove that your time, the time they spend with you is valuable. Exactly. Totally. All right. So as far as like the content goes, I think we really nailed that. We've got the platforms down. You know, one thing I always tell advisors to do if they're deciding between what platforms where to spend their time is to spend a couple of weeks just scrolling it, viewing the online personality or the you know, kind of the social construct that's on that platform so they can understand is my post going to be appropriate? Is this how people want to 
um, interact and kind of see what their business is going to be represented next to, you know, and I've done that with a handful of advisors that were very eager to get on TikTok. And after spending a couple of weeks scrolling TikTok, they said, yeah, never mind. I'm going back to LinkedIn. So I think that's one way to do it. But, you know, how does, so FMG, you guys have an amazing content library. You source a lot of content from great publishers. How do you guys decide what would be the best content for a an advisor's consumer base or readers or should possibly be shared on their their social or email? Again, I don't think we, well, for our do it for me clients, I am deciding. I'm building a monthly calendar with two to three blogs, three-ish emails, 10 social posts, and some optional content that would be more niche or, you know, to a specific prospect niche potentially. And for every email, I write it in the client and a prospect version. And then we write ad hoc timely emails. So if there's, you know, the Fed met and raised interest rates by a quarter, I, I write a timely email that we send out for them. So in that way, we're that's called do it for me. So I'm being prescriptive in the content that I'm recommending, but for the rest of any client of FMG that is not a do it for me client, the library is, is their resources to, to choose what works best for them. And we add like hundreds of pieces of content, I think a month. So there's just always new, fresh content on every search word you can think of. So, you know, for advisors that are not in do it for me, you're just picking your search words that you want to write about. And then you find the content. What I recommend is consider it 80% there, copy it into Word or just within our, actually within our platform, just edit it, just change it so that it's your voice, add things that might be more relevant to your business specifically, and off you go. So, you know, that's kind of back to the, where we started in this and an advisor being an entrepreneur, starting their own business, growing that business and saying, hey, this these are the things that I love doing. And these are the things that I'll do begrudgingly. And these are the things I'm never going to do, no matter how high that pile gets. And I will just wait until the desk breaks under its weight, right? And <laughs> I think that uh, I think that you guys have at FMG, you have a solution for all of that, right? You can come in and do everything yourself, right? Because I love doing social media. I love doing emails. I love creating content and modifying content. You have that middle ground that says, okay, most of the stuff is done. And then you have the guys that are like, look, I just... I'm not going to do any of this. Someone do that, do it for me. Right. So I, I love that. But at the, as we wrap up here, just the last minute or so, if you have an advisor that's kind of on the fence, doesn't know where to start. I, I had a website. I got it 10 years ago. I have a terrible picture on LinkedIn. Um, I thought about email marketing and then I didn't do it. Um, <laughs> what, where should they prioritize and where should they start? As I said, I think the website is the first place I'd start. And from there, then it's about developing a, a monthly content strategy of, I want to do X number of emails. You know, maybe it's even one email. I mean, one email to clients is better than most advisors are doing, but I'd recommend more and one email to prospects and ideally a blog. And again, there's plenty of places to get content. It's not like you have to write this thing from scratch. You just might have to read it and tweak it a little bit or not, you know, and then think about social and do the steps that we just talked about, which is just super easy. Just build your network and comment on other people's stuff. And occasionally, you know, try to find things that you're interested in sharing that share resources for your target client. I love that. So Susan, how do they learn more? How do they get in touch with you? 
Oh, let's see. Well, the I would be willing to just have anybody email me. It's you can s theater at fmgsuite.com or they can go on our website and fmgsuite.com and there's a get a demo button so you can schedule time with one of our team members. So either one works. I love it. And I just had a demo with Jennifer and she was absolutely awesome. Oh, so, great. Wonder, Thank you. wonderful human being you have over there. So <laughs> that's great to hear. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much for being on the show. This was a heck of a lot of fun. We will definitely have to get you back on uh, later this year and say, hey, what, what's working now? Because I'm sure things will change, <laughs> yeah, right? So change. we have to talk about ChatGPT. Oh, yes. That'll be a whole nother episode for sure. Totally. <laughs> It was so nice. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you for listening to Be Advised, Leading with Value with Brad Swinehart. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service providers with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning.